Welcome everybody to the Not A Rabbi podcast. We are recording live as always, as usual. Thanks to the wonderful friends and fans at the Fifth Column Discord channel. We always appreciate their support and surprise, I guess. I don't know, I was going to say surprise for some reason, but uh, that absolutely makes no sense whatsoever, be that as it may. We are live. This is going to be Season 3, Episode 5. What we're going to be talking about today, we've got two news articles. And in addition to that, there are um, a lot of holidays coming up. And I thought I would try to touch on not the holidays themselves per se, although I would like to actually go ahead and do that maybe in an upcoming episode. But what I wanted to talk about was uh, something a little bit more on the professional side of things and how these so many holidays in such a short time frame affect the, uh, the Orthodox Jewish worker. I thought that, was a, that might be an interesting uh, look at things and take on things. So we're going to go ahead and do that. Uh, Anyway, good to have people in the live chat. Always exciting. And what I wanted to do is let's go into the news articles. We don't have any follow-up. Nobody asked any uh, follow-up questions. So we'll go straight into the news articles. And the first news article we're going to talk about uh, is a little bit of a history article and I'm going to throw that into the chat so if anybody wants to go ahead and read that they may certainly do so and this is the I think the craze for Hamilton has somewhat died down because the musical is I mean it's still going I think uh, on Broadway and off-Broadway as well and in, in the, the touring the touring that they do uh, with the with the Hamilton musical production i got a chance to see it it was really wonderful it was a very nice uh, nice time got to see it with my daughter uh which was which was very nice believe it or not i read the novel or not the novel but the biography by ron chernow that the musical is based off of uh surprisingly enough i believe it's called hamilton uh and before the <laughs> before even getting into the into the Broadway show and I was heavily my daughter was heavily into it when she was in high school I was into it as a result as well and really it is a wonderful soundtrack uh, there are some songs uh, that honestly uh, made me cry a little bit which was uh, you know I'm I'm comfortable enough to tell tell you that uh, but anyway it was really interesting and and there is an article here as you see in the chat where a historian claims founding father Alexander Hamilton had a Jewish upbringing. Now, what this basically is saying is that Hamilton's mother, Rachel Fawcett, converted to Judaism in order to marry a Jewish merchant, easy for me to say, named Johann Levine. Um, I'm not sure where he originated from Johann Levine. I believe it probably says it in the um, in the article, but I don't know. But what's interesting is that, um, you know, this doesn't mean that Hamilton was 
Jewish per se, but he had some sort of upbringing that was Jewish because of his mother's remarriage. Uh, it says that Hamilton had a personally close relationship with the one of the rabbis or the rabbi of the time at um, the Spanish and Portuguese synagogue known as She'erit Israel, which is, means the remainders of Israel, which was the first uh, first synagogue put up in New Amsterdam. This wasn't even in New York. This was still called New Amsterdam when the Dutch owned it. And so he had so, a sort of a idea about this. He also claims that uh, the attacks, some of the attacks that Hamilton had when he was the Treasury Secretary were over his ties to the Jewish community. I'm not sure he, now this article does not give any sources for that. I mean, all I've seen basically is uh, from Jefferson and from Monroe, where they were talking about how things were, you know, just, or how Hamilton was just pro-big business. And, you know, I guess you could read that and uh, code that to mean that they were actually Jews. I don't buy that myself. Um, and, in fact, that, it, you know, it says that many historians do not believe that Hamilton was Jewish or and even cast cast out whether or not Levine was Jewish as well uh, and this you know this brings in brings in an interesting question um, which is does it matter if uh, certain individuals were Jewish or not in these times now uh, th this is actually something which was has been a big debate and occasionally gets brought up once in a while with regard to Christopher Columbus whether or not Christopher Columbus was actually Jewish as well and I mean I, I think that, that uh, and as to the same thing with Alexander Hamilton you know I think that it's, it might be a little bit interesting but in the end of the at the end of the day the answer is who cares? Now, what's interesting with regard to with regard to uh, Columbus, just to go off on a tan little bit of a tangent, is the fact that he did have many many uh, conversos on the on his ships. Conversos, for those of you who are not familiar, what they were are Jews who converted to Christianity. Uh, for just pretense, uh, the pre for the pretense of just looking like they converted uh, to get ahead, but they were not seriously or religiously inclined to stay Christian, and uh, and they and this is the reason why the Spanish Inquisition actually happened was because of these conversos and uh, Ferdinand and Isabella. Uh, everyone's good friend Torquemada going ahead and saying that uh, they needed to be these conversos needed to either actually convert or they would have to meet a uh, fiery death in the auto de fe and uh, you know that is as you know as history knows it uh, interestingly enough the date 
that Columbus started sailing in 1492 was the date, the um, Hebrew date is the 9th of Av, which we've spoken about the 9th of Av previously in a previous episode. And what he does, uh, not what he does, but w what happens is that, uh, you know, like I said, people were trying to get out of Spain because they were not allowed to stay in Spain if they wanted to remain Jewish and they were trying to leave any way that they could now what's interesting about this is that I'm, I'm reading a book now called Jewish Pirates or something along those lines let me uh, endeavor to look that up on Amazon Jewish Pirates of the Caribbean yes Jewish Pirates of the Caribbean is the name of the book uh, and what they say is that a lot of them were trying to get to the Caribbean to try to escape the the uh, the arms of the Inquisition, and unfortunately that didn't happen because the Inquisition did follow to the New World, and there was uh, unfortunately a lot of uh, Inquisition stuff happening with regard to uh, with regard in Mexico. Uh, and other places as well. One place that did not get touched because it was under the auspice, under the protection of the Columbus's family was the island of Jamaica. And a lot of conversos settled there as a result that the Inquisition could not touch them on Jamaica. So very interesting stuff uh, tying in. Probably went a little bit further afield on that. Uh, because I'm reading this book and it's a it's a relatively interesting book. I'll put the I'll put a link in the show notes for you if you would like to read that. I'm reading the Kindle version. I'm on Goodreads. I'm actually highlighting things which I find interesting. So if you would want to follow me on Good on Goodreads for uh, for whatever reason that it is, I am uh, happy to have you follow me and look at stuff that I highlight in whatever book that I may be reading. Uh, so anyway, that is uh, that is a little bit of that. Any questions regarding that from the chat? Does not look like the chat has any specific questions about that. But I am sure we'll have questions on the next link. Now, this next link to uh, for oh for my friends. One comment, the book does sound interesting, no questions. Yes, it is actually very interesting. He's making, I, I, I would say, he makes some suppositions that I don't know necessarily are historically backed, which is interesting, on some of the claims that he's making. Uh, you know, I wish that, you know, he, he does have a lot of footnotes in it. I, I think I would like some of the suggestions that he's making about certain things to have a little bit more backing uh, or at least where he gets this idea from but uh, you know it is an interesting book all right next link going into the chat now this article is from the Wall Street Journal so paywall may be up be uh, beware of that and do what you see fit to go ahead and subscribe so, um, opens up with the story of a group of a 75-year-old lady who bought a top-of-the-line oven from GE, and 
thought she had broken the oven. And what really had happened, she was baking brownies. Uh, what really had happened was she had turned on a mode which a lot of top-of-the-line appliances now have, which is called the Sabbath mode. And what that does is, on an oven, it will freeze an oven's settings so that observant Jews can abide by religious laws restricting electricity on holidays and on the Sabbath. Hence the, uh, the calling it Sabbath mode. Go figure. Uh, anyhow, you know, they went ahead, they pressed it simultaneously, they revived the oven, all was good. So what is this Sabbath mode, right? Let's talk about this. And apparently, according to the Wall Street Journal, it's available in 85% of built-in ranges and two-thirds of wall ovens. I don't have a GE oven. Uh, we did not buy a GE oven, so we do not have the Sabbath mode. I can't tell you anything about it. Each passing year, manufacturers expand the availability to appliances from refrigerators to dishwashers, and so they make up now almost a third of all machines have a Sabbath mode on them. Um, in ovens, what happens is that it dis disables the light and display and allows people to set the temperature to warm the food without shutting it off. And in refrigerators, the mode disables the lights and auto-defrost, as well as the water and ice systems. Um, so again, this is interesting. I mean, uh, it's, it's fascinating. And uh, I'll tell you, I've, we've <laughs> my wife and I have gone through this uh, lots of times, where, especially in, the, in our older refrigerators, where if you would, obviously, if you open the door, the light turns on because there's this uh, plunger that send you know that that gets released and will turn on the acts as a light switch, and uh, what happens is that it goes ahead and you know we can't use it on Shabbos unless you would disable the light bulb. So what we did is we wound up just unscrewing the light bulb and not having a light bulb at all in there because during the week we didn't really need it that much of the light bulb um, and if we forgot on a Friday to unscrew the light bulb, it was a pain in the butt because you couldn't open the refrigerator, which uh, can be a little bit of a problem when you have food that's in the refrigerator that you want to eat on Shabbos. So that is, <laughs> that is definitely the problem. Um, the refrigerator stuff, we got a couple of comments here uh, where one of our listeners has a German fridge and that has a Sabbath mode and uh, they use it frequently when a sensor broke because, and the alarm went off, even though everything was working properly, and somebody was taking a while to get it repaired, the Sabbath mode kept the alarm from going off, as well as turning off the light. Exactly. Uh, and this is actually an interesting problem now with, and this is what I was going to get to, with more modern refrigerators, because you're not using an incandescent bulb anymore in the refrigerators. The, what are you, what is happening with the LED bulbs. What are LED bulbs? Do LED bulbs count as uh, doing something? What what happens? Right. This is these are all these are all questions that uh, people who are a lot more knowledgeable than I am go ahead and need to answer or do try to answer. And um, you know they go ahead and do that now. <clears throat> there is a debate. I think I talked about that. I feel like I talked about this earlier, but in, a, in an earlier podcast, but I'll definitely talk about it here, which is there is, you know, the, well, let's try to take this uh, from a step back. 
There are, this I know I did talk about, on, uh, there are 39 creative actions that cannot be done on the Sabbath, and they are based uh, on the creation of the tabernacle, which you, look, which you take a look at in, at the end of the book of Exodus, how that the tabernacle was built and, and other things. And so there are these 39 creative labors that you cannot perform. The question then becomes, what exactly is this creative labor that you are doing for electricity? And to the best, the best explanation I've seen and I've found and I've heard is that it is the completion of the circuit. So once you complete the circuit, you are performing, you know, you are actually building. And therefore, since that is happening, you are, you are going, you cannot do that on the Sabbath. Um, there may be a better understanding of this, and I think I've talked about this before with other things, how um, they've tried to create different things. There's actually a engine, um, there's an organization in Israel, and I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. I believe it's Soma, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I would have to. Anyway, th this organization um, does a lot of stuff in Israel to try to go ahead and um, make things a little bit easier on the electricity side of things to, uh, to allow you to use electricity in some way. Again, I'm not going to get into the real deep weeds on that. But that is, uh, that is definitely something. And so, like I said, uh, it looks like, you know, for our understanding right now, it is the creation of a, the creation of a circuit that is a creative action that is not allowed on the Sabbath. So anyway, um, let's get back to this article here. Let's see here. It talks about the engineer who came up helped to develop the feature in 1997 and um, again many GE art uh, ovens have this um, you know again I don't have any I don't have any uh, appliances that actually do have the Sabbath mode although my dishwasher we just recently bought a top pretty relatively top-of-the-line dishwasher and I have to look into that and see if it does have a Sabbath mode on it I'll, I'll have to check with the people that I bought it from, who happened to be my brother-in-law and nephew. But uh, be that as it may, that is, those are the two articles. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you that I've, I'm working on setting up uh, the place that we now live in to have a lot more smart home capabilities so that I can set timers on lights that uh, so that they could go off, go on. Air conditioners, I'm using a smart plug for an air conditioner. I'm using a smart plug uh, for a bunch of different things. Uh, I got four smart plugs floating around the apartment, uh, the house that, we, uh, that we're renting right now. But uh, again, it's an interesting article. It's a pretty informative article, uh, as you would may or may not expect from the, from the Wall Street Journal. Uh, paywalls may be in effect, so 
obviously go ahead and uh, use your own judgment on how you want to address that situation. All right, any other comments or questions from, from the chat? Okay, so does not look like there are any more questions yet. So what I will do is I will go ahead and let's move on to the main topic. Now the main topic this episode is going to be about the upcoming Jewish holidays. Now, I got a text, I uh, got a message on Discord from a friend of mine who is not Jewish and went ahead and he actually asked me, why is why would somebody be asking for so many days off in September? And this would be, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days. They'd be off looking for seven days off of in the month of September. And the reason for this is that uh, we have hit that time of year where we need to... Uh, or not we need to, but where the holiday season for Orthodox for Jews is upon us, which begins the night of September 6th, uh, and that will go through the 7th and the 8th, the night of the 15th into the 16th, the night of the 20 the night of the 20th going into the 21st and 22nd, then the night of the 27th going into the 28th and 29th, and so the question is, you know, or let's so let's break down these holidays that are going on here. Uh, at the beginning of the month, we've got uh, starting the night of the sixth is Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, where uh, every you know where everything that happens you are judged for, and God decides what type and how much money you make, how, you know, health-wise and everything like that, and we pray for uh, for good things, <laughs> obviously. We don't want to pray for bad things. Um, also, you know, and maybe I'll talk about this in a little bit. I'll, I'll talk, I'll leave that aside, uh, what I wanted to mention, because uh, I think that it might be an interesting part of another episode. Then we have Thursday the 16th, which is Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement, where we ask God to forgive us for whatever sins that we went ahead and uh, did. Then we've got the 21st and the 22nd, and what that is, is the holiday of Sukkot, or Tabernacles, which is an interesting holiday, and that concludes on the 28th and the 29th. Those those are the holidays and the reasons, or what, not the reasons, but those are the holidays that happen. And what I wanted to get into a little bit is the effect that um, this has on a lot of times on the psyche of Orthodox Jews who work in non-Ortho or non-religious, non-Jewish places because they have might have a problem they might have a problem trying to explain this to their bosses their bosses may or may not have heard about this or have made accommodations and they've already had to go ahead and talk about Shabbos early when Shabbos gets early during the winter and having to leave extremely early from there and a lot of people work lunches to make up the hours 
that they that they uh, miss on Fridays. Uh, these are these are uh, so it's going to be very uncomfortable and difficult to go start going ahead and talking about that. And a lot of a lot of Orthodox Jews need to go ahead and use PTO time to actually take these holidays off because that's well that's you know how things go a lot of times. Uh, like I, I was mentioning in the uh, pre-show, I was very fortunate where I have worked for, when I was working in the business world before I moved over to the education world, I went ahead and I was working, not went ahead, but I worked for a lot of Israeli companies. And being that they're Israeli, they understand the fact that I'm Orthodox. They understand the, the fact that I need to take these days off. So we made arrangements. Um, not that I absolutely had free reign and still had all of my vacation days. I didn't. But there was some com accommodations made where not all of my days needed to go ahead and be wasted for that. Now, obviously, I'm in education now. I'm in working for Jewish schools. So it is a totally different situation. So I'm, I'm off and I'm okay with that. Uh, and in any event, it, it's, it could be very difficult. And the last job that I worked at before I got into the education field um, was with a company, which is no longer in existence. And uh, I had two bosses. One boss, uh, during my time there, I had two bosses, I should say. One boss was very accommodating, very cool. He let me, he, he really let me, um, you know, we worked together on this. I worked a lot of days where people keep taking off, uh, such as the time between Christmas and New Year's. I, that week they are, they were uh, technically off, but I worked those days. Uh, we also had other, you know, uh, you know, legal holidays, some legal holidays I worked because to make up the time, which I was okay with. And, you know, again, we reached this accommodation. The other boss that I had right before I left, um, who will remain nameless, <coughs> but um, I was thinking of calling the individual Drusilla the Queen of Darkness, but, uh, you know, I decided against that. Any event, this individual went ahead and did a complete 360, uh, 180. I don't want to say they did a 360. They did a complete 180 on on this, and they made it extremely, extremely difficult to go ahead and be accommodating, which was uh, not cool. And I, there were reasons why the individual decided to do this uh, and change change the agreement that I had. But uh, I'm not going to get into that at the time. But it can be very stressful and very difficult. And if you go on to the, the R Judaism subreddit, you'll see that there are a lot of people talking about the frustration that they, or the, like, how do I talk to my boss about this? And what do I do? And a lot of times you're going to have such, uh, such problems. And, uh, you know, the only thing that I guess I want to say is if you are a boss, if you are somebody, you know, that is can make accommodations, try to work with the Orthodox individual to make them happy and to make it comfortable. It's not easy for them to talk about it because they don't want to look like they are just trying to shirk their responsibilities and be off every other day. I can speak from 
experience about that because that was not how I wanted to, wanted it to look and that's not what I wanted to happen nor um, so it's, it's, it could be a very awkward conversation to have and trying to be accommodating try to make it work for everybody involved if it is at all possible so I, I guess that's what I you know want to uh, just have to say about that and you know those are you know I think the next episode or two we might be talking as the main subject about the upcoming holidays that are going to be happening um, because there is a lot to potentially talk about in terms of customs, in terms of liturgy, in terms of, uh, you know, various different things that, uh, that go on. All right. Any, any other questions from the chat? Okay. No questions? Um, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> Did I explain it too well or not well enough? That's my question. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, I, I think that will draw a close to this episode. Episode 5 of Season 3. I will see what I title this on the, uh, on the podcast itself. But uh, thank you all for listening once again. Thank you very much for listening to the Not A Rabbi Podcast, Season 3, Episode 5. Um, we'll see what the topic gets, uh, what the title is when we, uh, when we get there. I think I got an idea, uh, a little clickbaity, but, uh, eh, you know, sometimes you got to do it. And also wanted to remind everybody to don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to share this with uh, friends of yours, family members. Your dog, if he listens to podcasts, he or she listens to podcasts, you could certainly do that as well. And don't forget to put reviews in so that we can continue to climb up the charts. Thanks for listening. I am Aaron Benedict, and I am not a rabbi. <laughs>